If you turn to John chapter 10 as we begin uh, this incredible chapter, and we'll break it up into a couple of studies, but it begins with the third I am statement of the Lord. And as Jesus uses this I am form- formula, he uses this ego ama, this name that is the holy name of God, that he is the indescribable one, that it's associated with the creator himself. Jesus says something here that is very offensive with regard to all other world religions. And that is he is the door, singular. There isn't another one. And because he is the door of all sheep, and all we like sheep have gone astray, the only one that anyone gets into the sheepfold is through the one door. And so this is another message of the exclusivity of the gospel. And, and while we believe that anyone can be saved, the only people who are actually saved is those who enter through the one door. And so as Jesus now picks up, it seems like this story is almost out of place with regard to what just transpired with this blind man who can now see, but it's really perfectly in place because it's an illustration of what has happened to him. That blind man met the one Savior, and he walked through the one door. Verse 1, John chapter 10, For most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. In the background of the slide that is before you right now, you actually have uh, a biblical sheepfold. This happens to be exactly uh, what a sheepfold would have looked like. This one happens to be a really nice one. But you can see it's nothing more than a ring of stones. That ring of stones uh, was often planted on the outside with briars and thorns, or briars and thorns were picked and they were put on top, much like we would use barbed wire today. And there is a single hole into the sheepfold. And so what Jesus is saying here is there's one way in, there's one way out, and he himself is actually the door. Because there was no door on a biblical sheepfold. The shepherd was the door. And in fact, at night, the shepherd slept in that opening. And during the day, until the shepherd moved, no sheep got in. And no sheep got out. And so he is being very specific here about what has transpired in the life of this formerly blind man. And notice how he continues the thought, verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He brings them out from his own sheep, and he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We know the voice of the Lord as well, don't we? His word plainly declares his voice. As we hear his word, those who believe on his name follow his voice. We hear what he has to say, and we go where he says we should go, and we do what he says 
we should do. However imperfectly we implement these things, real sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And they listen. And yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. In verse 6, and Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And so Jesus said to them again. So it's in the context of this formerly blind man who can now see. This man whose life has been turned upside down in some ways amazingly good. And in the fact that he's now an unemployed beggar, he's actually got some problems that have come his way. And so they would get it. Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He didn't want them to miss the message. He says, I am the door of the sheep. There's only one way in, there's only one way out, and anyone who climbs over the wall, anyone who tries to get in some other way, any other way of salvation is not a way of salvation at all, but a way of damnation. Monumentally exclusive is the gospel. In that sense, inclusive that to as many as received him, to them he gave. To anyone who seeks, they will find. To those who ask and knock, he will open to them. But there's one door. Now he's saying this in front of the Pharisees. They thought there was another door. And so he has used a couple of words, and we'll highlight them in a moment. But here they come again. All whoever came before me are thieves... And robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. For I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. But a thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I have come. That you might have life, and that life more abundantly. As Jesus speaks these words, he begins to say things to them that are directly linking this physical healing this man has had with the spiritual awakening that this man has had. He's trying to get them to think about what actually transpired. Because this man has pronounced that he now believes that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus has made atonement for his sin. That that he has now been enlightened by the light of the world. That he in fact has met the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he believes. And so Jesus is making it completely clear that you have to choose. That you're not saved because your mom and dad were Christians. You're, You're not saved because we live in a functionally Christian society. 
You're not saved because you've come to church more than twice in your lifetime. You're not saved because you listen to Christian radio. You're not saved because you watch Christian TV. You are saved by believing in the one and only door of the sheep. His name is Jesus. Amen? And the reason I believe Jesus is emphasizing this is there's still a lot of people in his day and time that are wandering around and they're going, well, what about the temple? It's right there on the temple mount. What about all the other ways? What about the ways of the Philistines? What about the ways of the Hittites? What about the ways of the Amorites? How about the Edomites? How about the Carthaginians or the Phoenicians? Don't all those roads also lead to heaven? And Jesus is saying, no, there's exactly one door. And if you're going into his sheepfold, it goes through him. You see, in that sense, Jesus for all of us is a watershed moment. If you track such things, if things interest you like this, there's an actual spot on the Continental Divide in the Rocky Mountains where literally, depending on which side of this little kind of ridge rainfall falls, it ends up either in the Colorado River or it goes into the North Platte River and into the Missouri River and then ultimately into the Mississippi. And so depending on where that raindrop falls, it could end up in the Pacific or in the Gulf of Mexico. And it doesn't have to be very far. You can miss by a foot or two and that raindrop will end up in a completely different place. So when we use the term a watershed moment, that phrase as it's linked together, it's indicative of religion versus relationship. Because you have a choice to make to have a relationship with the one door, or you can have religion that suits your flesh. And there's a point where they kind of look the same. They don't appear to be very far apart. But their destinations are very different. Jesus is that watershed. This blind man has been confronted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as he begins to see as the light of the world focuses in on him. Remember, he's already said to the blind leaders, he said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. You see, but they were seeing. They weren't seeing correctly, though. They were understanding, but they weren't getting the point. And so Jesus says to them, look, you have to choose. You have to pick. There is one door and there's one good shepherd and every other one is a thief or a robber. 
Now I want you to understand what he's saying here. Because he uses some specific, very specific words in the original language. He uses the term that we would translate into a sneak thief or a burglar. One who works by lying, deceit, and cover of darkness. He said, people who purport to have another way to reach God are using deception and darkness to deceive people into thinking that their way is the right way. You see, he's saying next that they are robbers, and in this case, they are violent robbers. Ones who take by force the things that are not theirs. And so in the mindset of the people hearing this, he's saying, not only am I the only door, the one door, and you can't get in the sheepfold except through the one door, if someone comes to you, as Paul will articulate with another gospel, let him be accursed. They're trying to steal you away from the truth. They're trying to deceive you with darkness. And so when someone says to me, well, I just think that ultimately, you know, God somehow works it all out, so all religions, all roads lead to heaven, I have to say, your Bible says something very different than that. It does not say that all roads lead to heaven. It never has, and it does not still to this day. It can lead to religion, It can lead to even some form of moral clarity. It can lead you to good works. But there is one door and one shepherd, and you have to go through the one door. And so he begins this little exercise of shepherds and sheepfolds. And basically he's trying to distinguish between what the prophets had already told the children of Israel. These who are listening should have understood these things. Their their prophets had told them, they're in Jeremiah 23, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. You see, they should have been listening to the words of Jesus from a perspective of, hey, we know what we would call the Old Testament says. He's distinguishing himself. Because there had been a lot of shepherds that had led the people astray. Many of them had actually been the kings. King after king trying to make nice with the world had ultimately led the children to following a false shepherd. Much like we are forced to choose this day whom we're going to serve in our day and time. Can I tell you that there are a lot of things that are illegal, that are are legal, that are not okay with God? We have a lot of laws that the government has said, well, you know, it's all legal now. And they're still an abomination to God. We have people trying to lead people away to believe that the one door is not a necessity. And they're going to come after people like me. Who believe the one door is a necessity. You see, I have a choice. 
Do I believe what my Bible says? Or do I believe every law that mankind comes up with? Just so you're clear, I believe what my Bible says. That's where I'm going to take my hat, I'm going to put it on the Bible hat rack and say, thus says the Lord. You see, but there were false shepherds. And Jesus says, don't follow them. I'm the true shepherd. Trying to get through those thorns and briars on top of the wall is going to get you killed eternally. I've listened to argument after argument and debate after debate of people saying that Allah and Yahweh are the same person. I have listened to debate after debate that try and make some equivocation between Muhammad and Jesus. Let me be clear. Jesus Christ alone saves. And I don't say that to insult anyone. It's the truth. And we as believers cannot pull the narrative out of the air that says all roads lead to heaven. Because they don't. There's only one road that leads to heaven. And it's through the one door who is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. You see, the prophet Ezekiel, as he spoke to this issue, said much the same thing. He said, look, there's going to come times when the the false shepherd is going to step in. The false shepherd is going to try and lead you astray. Oh, it sounds great. I keep getting emails from people about, well, you know, it's here's the this law that passed or this group. As I've shared with you before, you can find all kinds of stuff justifying your own particular bent on every behavior that Scripture says are clearly sin. So we're not putting a microbrew in the cafe. You're not going to be able to buy buds in the welcome center. And if you come to me and say, God told me to divorce my wife, I'm going to say, that wasn't God. God did not tell you to do something that his word says he hates. He didn't do it. You see, the one door is a narrow door. And narrow is the way that leads unto righteousness. It's absolutely available to anyone And you can walk through it by grace through faith. But it's only one. And it doesn't include all the other doors. You see, church, we need to preach the real gospel. Amen? And that's going to be offensive to a whole lot of people. You see, Jesus knows real sheep. He knows them, and we know him. Amen? So I was in El Salvador yesterday, and I'm, I'm talking to my brothers and sisters from all over Latin America. 
you know what? They're experiencing the same thing we're experiencing. They're being persecuted for just simply preaching the name of Jesus. You can be religious all day long. You guys want to go start your own church out in the parking lot and call it the we're going to eat churros and drink beer church? You're going to have people that will show up. And they're actually going to say, well, you know, it must be of God because it's in a church parking lot. Thieves and robbers appealing to the flesh of mankind. Tell them it's all going to be okay. Now we need to get this right. The doorkeeper leads. He seeks his own sheep. And the Bible is just simply full of sheep that have found the shepherd. The tax collector, Matthew. You talk about a lost sheep. The dude works for Rome. He's hated by his own people, the Jews. He is as lost as anyone can get. But here comes the shepherd. And he closes down his taxation booth and he follows Jesus. You you see, we need to preach this kind of message to the world around us. When Jesus got to this house, and here's Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus finds the good shepherd. He says, I need to hurry down from here and follow you. That's who we follow. That's who we are following here in this church. And because he was the one and the only door, we follow the one and the only shepherd, which is the other half of this message that we'll pick up next time. You see, the I am is the one door. Jesus is the only one who died for your sins. And when you put John 14, 6, which we'll get to in a while together with this passage, because there he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, and then you add this to it, that I am the one door, and everybody else is a false shepherd, it's like he's saying, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because you're not going to find that kind of rest anywhere else. You're not going to find abundant life in some other name. Oh, you may find works. You may find something that looks holy. You you may find even a building that when you walk into it, you feel like, wow, I I just, I think I feel the presence of God. And while it may be true that the Lord might be drawing you through that building, or maybe he's drawing you through a sunset on the beach or a cloud cover that blows over the mountains, or maybe it's you look into the face of a child, he's drawing you to the one good shepherd and the one one door. Don't miss the point here. Every good and perfect gift comes down from our Father of lights who is in heaven, and Jesus is that gift. He came so that we can enter in. He alone leads to blessing. He alone leads to eternal life. Through Him, we have access to the Father. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 2.18, you have access to the Father through Christ the Son. 
You do not have access to the Father without Jesus Christ the Son. Am I being clear? You can't get there through Mary. And I don't mean to insult. Mary cannot save you. You can't go direct and bypass Jesus. He's the only door and you must go through him. You see, sometimes people will say, well, you know, I I just choose not to believe that. It just seems too exclusive. It is exclusive. But it's also free. It's simple. And requires zero effort on your part initially, save you believe on the only begotten Son of God. It's not hard. It's a free gift that God offers to us. There is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved, exactly as Acts chapter 4 declares. There isn't one. There's a lot of other names. There's a lot of other ways. There's a whole bunch of other sheepfolds. There are some places that have doors all over. Some of them, I don't think there's any walls. There's just doors. Like, make up your own thing. Do whatever you want. And in the end, God will bless it. We call it universalism. Just at the end, well, God just saves everybody. Now, let me be blunt here. If God saves everybody in the end, then Jesus Christ himself was a liar. And Jesus is not a liar. That's why he preached on hell himself. He didn't want anybody to perish eternally. So everybody doesn't make it, everybody can make it, but everybody must go through the one door. You see, in that sense, Jesus is the watershed of all eternity. What you do with Jesus alone determines where you spend eternity. Where you allow your raindrop to be blown whether towards all the other world religions, to some form of self-righteousness or works-based righteousness, if you allow your mind to be blown someplace other than Jesus and you do not believe, you will perish eternally. Here's the good news. You can choose what stream you want to be in. Because you believe by faith. That's why as Jesus codifies all of this and he begins to say, look, if you want abundant life there in verse 10, and we'll get some more on this next time, that abundant life comes through me, he says. It can't be found anywhere else. As he uses this word abundantly, he's using a Greek word, Perisos, which perisos is kind of like a mathematical term that always means that whatever you add ends up with surplus. So it can't be a negative number. Whatever Christ adds to your life will always be positive, resulting in abundance. Do you get it? 
He wants to do things in your life that makes you better than who you are today. He's not going to tell you to give up some sin issue because that sin issue was good for you. He's going to tell you because he wants you to live an abundant life and be better than you are today. He wants to work in your life in such a magnificent way that you have something to give to those who ask and have need. But he only does that if you will enter through the one door. He is the door to abundant life in that sense. And so church, right now in this room, Jesus is offering abundant life. And for those of you that have believed already on his name, he wants to keep pouring buckets of abundant life into your life so that you can spill out on the rest of the world. That's what he does in the life of a believer. As the work of the Spirit is, is poured into us. It's poured out of us. And I'm going to ask you to stand right now. The worship team's going to come back out. And because there's been a clear presentation of the gospel message this morning, I want to ask you, have you gone through the one door. If you can say yes to that, then you can also say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. But if you have not done that, I want to offer you the opportunity right now to do that. Because there's only one door. And the choice is yours to go through it. So if you'd bow your heads with me right now, and please, if you know the Lord, go to the throne room of God and seek them who are lost in this place right now. And if you're here today, and you've never gone through the door that is Jesus, you have never invited Christ into your life to forgive your sin and to cleanse you and make you a new creation in Him, if you've never believed wholly on his name and asked him to be Lord, and you want to do that right now, then all I'm going to ask you to do is slip your hand up right where you are, anywhere and anyone at all in the entire room. Would you just put your hand up? We're going to pray together right now. Anyone at all? The Lord's waiting for you. He loves you. I see that hand. I see that hand as well. Jesus loves you, and that's why he's the door. He's not the door to keep you out. He's the door to let you in. I see that hand as well. See this hand over here to my right. Anyone else? He, he wants you in his sheepfold, but you have to want to be there with him. Did you, I see that hand. Praise God. Another minute. Don't be ashamed of Jesus because he loves you, and he's not ashamed of you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It does not matter what you have done. He is able to set you free from the bondage of sin and to give you eternal life in the place of death. I see that hand in the back. I see this hand to my right. I see that hand in the back. Just keep them up for just a moment. We're going to pray together. See that hand in the back as well. See this other hand in the front. 
Thank you, Jesus, for the work of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, to see the hand in that aisle. Keep praying, people. It's the work of the Spirit that draws men unto Christ. It's not my words. It's the word that draws men to salvation. Those of you who raised your hands, you can put your hands down if you would, please. And I'm just going to simply ask you to pray these words out loud. And I'm going to ask you to mean them from your heart. They have to come from you. You're choosing which side the raindrop of your life is going to fall. And so would you just simply pray with me and we'll pray together. Dear Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. And I recognize you're the only Savior. And I'm giving you my life. I'm asking you to forgive my sin and to cleanse me from my unrighteousness. I'm offering my life to you in service. And I pray that you would write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, help me to walk with you all of my days. And in all that I do, would I live pleasing to you. Thank you for the gift of salvation. That free gift. And I receive it now gladly. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.